You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Open your Bibles to Job 31. I'm glad to be in North Carolina. I was born in Greenville, South Carolina, but I'm glad to be here in the home of, uh, oh, bureaucracy-hating, government-fighting, gun-carrying, red-necked, hairy-legged women. And the men are pretty tough, too. I, I, uh, I was born in South Carolina, graduated from college and high school in South Carolina, and then as a young man, I was sentenced to Michigan, and I, uh, I get occasional work release like this. I appreciate the compassion of this church. It's the first time it's ever been mentioned that I'm over an hour from a Chick-fil-A, and the whole crowd went, oh, <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Job was the best person in the world. God said that. He said, there's none like him in the earth. The devil said, yeah, Job only serves you because you're so good to him, God. Take away all that stuff. Remove the hedge of protection you placed around him. He'll curse you to your face. So God said, go ahead. In one day, Job lost every possession he had, all his cattle, sheep, his camel, his donkeys. And worse, he lost 10 children. You ever done a funeral for two people at once? It's really sad. But I've never done with 10 caskets laid out in front of the church. And you know what Job said? The Lord giveth, the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Wow. So God said, now what do you think, devil? And the devil did what evil and dishonest people always do. He changed the rules in the middle of the game. You know, like, don't wear masks, do wear masks, that kind of stuff. <laughs> he said, yeah, skin for skin. Yea, all that Anne hath will he give for his life. You touch his body, he'll curse you. God said, go ahead, don't take his life. Job came now with a terrible disease. We think it was the disease of elephantiasis. His body was covered with boils. He was in extreme discomfort. He went outside the gates of the city, sat on an ash heap. But the Bible says in all this, Job didn't sin, didn't charge God foolishly with his lips. Job's three friends came to see him, Zophar, Bildad, Eliphaz. And at first they did really well. They just sat with him for seven days and didn't say a word. When I pastored, I'd often say to our people, when you don't know what to say, don't say anything. I love you, I'm praying for you. People try to say deep spiritual thoughts and the thoughts exceed their ability to comprehend truth or the words do and they, and they, they say nonsense. Well, after a while, that's what they did. Job, you probably did something wrong. You wouldn't be in all this trouble if you hadn't sinned. You must have done something to cause this. And most of the book of Job is his friends accusing him and Job answering their accusations. But Job also complains to God a little bit. He has a lot of questions. In this chapter, 
We come to the very end of Job speaking, chapter 32. A young man named Elihu speaks. Elihu has waited till the older men talk, and he has a whole lot to say against so far, build that in Eliphaz, but he's got one accusation against Job. We could call it Job's one fault. He said, Job, you justified yourself when you should have justified God. Somebody gave me a cassette tape years ago, the testimony of a man named Dave Reaver. Dave Reaver was a young married man, got drafted during the Vietnam War, and he tried to be a good testimony as a Christian, and his buddies in the army make fun of him. They call him preacher, evangelist, missionary. But he was, he was okay with that. He called his three biggest critics pervert number one and pervert number two and pervert number three. <laughs> one day he was in the jungles of Vietnam holding a phosphorus grenade in his hand. It was something they used to clear out swampy areas and the grenade exploded in his hand. Blew off all the fingers on this hand, blew off his ear, his nose, all but two fingers on this hand. His body was covered with flames. And in that moment of pain and agony and shock, Dave Reaver cried out. He said, God, I still love you. He got right in that moment. The one thing Job got wrong. Hey, did you know our job when we're in times of difficulty is to tell people how good our God is? Job, almost done with his words, says something intriguing in verse 35. Oh, that one would hear me. Behold, my desire is that the Almighty would answer me and that mine adversary. Now, when Job spoke of his adversary, he wasn't talking of the devil. He had no idea of the devil's part. All of his speeches are addressed to his friends or to God in the whole book of Job. Oh, the one would hear me. The old my desire is the Almighty would answer me and that mine adversary had written a book. Surely I would take it upon my shoulder and bind it as a crown to me. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning on this thought. If only God had written a book. Lord, guide me by your spirit to say all and only what you want said. Holy Spirit, please speak to hearts. If there's a single person here that doesn't know they have a home in heaven, I pray they'd settle that before they walk out of this room. Draw us to yourself in Jesus' name. Amen. Job's life didn't make sense to him. Job had a dilemma. A lot of questions. I want to share three of them with you. Here's, here's one of Job's questions. He said, what is my purpose? Why would somebody live as miserable and difficult as a life as I am living? He said in Job 3, verse 11, Why died I not from the womb? It'd been better for me to die right after I was born than to live like this. I don't know why I exist. What's my purpose? He said in Job 19, Why won't God hear my prayer? Job 19, verse 7, I cry out of wrong, but I'm not heard. I cry aloud, but there's no judgment. God, I'm asking for help. I'm asking for answers. I'm asking for you to talk to me. I don't hear anything. Third part of his dilemma was this. Why can't I be pardoned? Job 7, 21, why dost thou not pardon my transgression and take away mine iniquity? Job 9, 2, I notice so of a truth, but how should man be just with God? 
Job 9, 32 and 33, he's not a man as I am that I should answer him and we should come together in judgment. Neither is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand upon us both. Job said, hey, if build that and so far and Eliphaz are right, if I've done something wrong, well, why don't I know what it is? Why wouldn't God put it down? Why wouldn't he list it in a book? Why could I not be pardoned? Job's dilemma. This chapter gives us kind of a synopsis of Job's defense. Job says, I didn't deserve this. It's not because of something wrong that I have done. His defense was essentially two things. Number one, I'm righteous in my person. Number two, there is no reason for my punishment. He talks in this chapter about his righteousness as a person. He says, uh, I've been pure in my morals. Verse 1 of chapter 31, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? He said, I'm careful where I look. I don't think dirty thoughts. I, I, I've, I've been righteous, morally pure. Not only said have I been pure in my morals, he said, I've been generous with my money. He said in verse 16 of 31, if I've withheld the poor from their desire or caused the eyes of the widow to fail, or have eaten my morsel, verse 17, myself alone and the fatherless have not eaten bread. He went on to say, I took care of him when the time was young. He said, I'm pure in my morals. He said, I've been generous with my money. He said, I've been spiritual in my motives. Verse 26, if I beheld the sun when it shined, or the moon walking in darkness, and my heart hath been secretly enticed, or my mouth hath kissed my hand. In Job's day, people worshiped the moon and the sun, and they would show their devotion by kissing their hand. And Job said, I never did that. I worshiped the God of creation. I worshiped the God of truth. I never worshiped a false God. There's, uh, I've been righteous in my person, he said, and there's no reason for my punishment. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't seem fair. Nothing that has happened to me has been because of what I have done. And then Job had a desire. You know what he said? He said, I wish somebody would hear me. I wish the Almighty would answer me. I wish that my adversary had written a book. Well, wait, wait a minute, Job. Wait a minute. You... Uh, you say you want to know your purpose. Well, we know that. The Bible says, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. The word glory, they tell me, is the Greek word doxa. It's the word opinion. My job and your job in all of our lives is to give others a good opinion of God. Amen. Job, you know that's your purpose. And Job, you know your prayer can be answered. Why? The Lord Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount, the most famous sermon ever preached, the longest sermon in the Bible, longest sermon Jesus preached. And he said, ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be open. Come on, Job, you know you, you can, God hears your prayer. And wait a minute, Job, you want to know you can be pardoned. Look, everybody knows 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Job, you want a daysman? You want somebody between you and God? You want somebody to take hands on you both? Well, don't you know the Bible does say there is one mediator between God and man. There is one who knows God because he is God. There is one who understands man because he became man. There is one who in his person can reconcile a sinful man to a holy God. He puts one hand on both and brings them together in his own life. And his name is Jesus. I hope you know Jesus. Uh, Jesus is God. 
He's God the Son. He's God's only begotten Son. He always has been God, but in Bethlehem's manger 2,000 years ago, he became man, and he lived a sinless life on this earth. And then after that, he was crucified. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that God loves you. God so loved the world. The Bible says he's not willing that any should perish. God does not want you or anybody else to ever spend one moment in hell. But the Bible says the wages of sin is death. I pay what I owe for my sin. I have to die and go to hell. Can't pay for sin by getting a church membership. That's not the wage of sin. Wage of sin is death. Can't pay for my sin by getting baptized. That's not the wage of sin. Wage of sin is death. Can't pay for my sin by being good. Wage of sin is not good works. Wage of sin is death. Ah, but the Bible says Christ died for us. <laughs> and the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, God's only begotten son, went to the cross and there he bled and died. And the Bible says he, God, made him, Jesus, to become sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And on the cross, Jesus Christ paid for all the sins of all the sinners of all of history. So the question isn't, what are you going to do about your sin? The question is, what are you going to do with God's Son? Because the Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I like that. Now to be saved, you got to be saved from something. If I were drowning and you threw me a rope, I'd say, you saved me from drowning. If I'm about to be run over and you pushed me out of the way, I'd say, you saved me from being hit by the car. What would I be saved from if I asked Jesus to be my Savior? I'd be saved from my sin. I'd be saved from the penalty of my sin. I'd be saved from dying and going to hell. Yeah. Job, you know you can be pardoned. Why? It tells us that all through the Word of God. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute, Job, you don't have a Bible, do you? See, Job is the oldest book in the Bible. Job was a contemporary of Abraham. Abraham's son Isaac had twin boys, Jacob and Esau. Jacob had 12 sons. The second to the youngest of them, Joseph, wound up in Egypt. The family came down in a time of famine. They were there for 400 years. And then God raised up a man named Moses to deliver them from slavery and bondage. And God gave Moses Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's 600 years from Job's time until God reveals himself to man in written form. Job didn't have a book. He said, man, I wish I did. Now, Job didn't envision Psalms and Proverbs and the Gospels. Job envisioned a list of his wrongs. What, is a, what am I in trouble with, God? What, what do you have against me? Maybe we can work on this and we can deal with it. But Job said, if I just had that, if I had anything written down from God, man, I'd love it. There's a billion, 500 million Muslims in the world. They believe Allah, their God. If you take a straight reading of the Quran, wants them to kill others who don't believe like they do. There's a man who used to be the president of the Southern Baptist Convention. He's pastor's not far from here. Name's J.D. Greer, and he wrote in 2013 that Christians and Muslims worship the same God. Now, that's an insult to both faiths. 
No, no, no. The God of the Bible and the God of Islam are not the same. The God of Islam had no son. The God of Islam wants you to blow up your son in a suicide bombing for him. Our God, the God of the Bible, sent his son to be a sacrifice for us. But the difference between those 1.5 billion Muslims and you is they don't have a book and you've got a book. There are 1.2 billion Catholics in the world. They believe that you shouldn't really read the Bible. It ought to be interpreted by the church leaders. They believe that Mary and Joseph, uh, uh, Mary and Jesus, Mary's a co-redemptress with the Lord Jesus. They believe nobody can be absolutely sure that they'll go to heaven when they die. By the way, the Bible says you can be sure. These things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. If you walk out of this room not knowing you're on your way to heaven, it won't be God's fault. It'll be because you chose not to accept his gift of everlasting life. But the difference between those 1.2 billion Catholics and you is they don't have a book and you've got a book. There are 1.1 billion Hindus in the world. They believe that there are millions of gods. No Hindu could tell you the names of all of their gods. They believe in reincarnation. They believe how you live in one life form determines how you come back in the next life. Uh, that when I was in India years ago, there were 750 million people in a country two-thirds the size of the United States. Now there are over a billion people when I was there, they said there were more rats than people, and the rats ate two-thirds of the harvest. But they wouldn't kill the rats because it might be grandpa. He might have been ornery come back as a rat. That was true. I'm not true to came back. That's what they believe. They believe if you do really well in one life form and come back in a better life form and a better life form, that eventually you can reach an exalted state called nirvana. Nirvana is where you see nothing, you hear nothing, you feel nothing, you smell nothing, you know nothing. They believe the best thing in all of the universe would be to not experience anything. Life is so bad. If you know nothing about anything, that's better than you can imagine. And I want you to know the difference between them and you is they don't have a book and you got a book. Job said, wow, I wish I had a book. He said, if I did, it'd be my authority. Hey, do you know the reason that the Victory Baptist Church operates the way it does? It is not because of a constitution. It is not because of a denomination. It is because you are guided by the word of God. You come to church not because it's a good idea, but because the Bible said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You follow the preacher not because he's a good man, he's a wonderful man, but because the Bible says, obey them that have the rule over you. You tithe, not because because it's somebody's concept of what's fair, but because the Bible says the tithe is the Lord's. Job said, if I had a book, it'd be my authority. But he said, if I had a book, it'd be my answer. I wish somebody would answer me. Hey, did you know that every question of life of any significance can be answered by the word of God? Did you know that this book tells you how to spend your money? This book tells you how to treat your family. This book tells you how to deal with your friends. This book tells you how to behave towards your enemies. This book tells you what to do when you're happy, what to do when you're sad, how to be a good dad, a good mom, a good son, a good daughter, a good parent. All the answers are in the word of God. But Job said, not only that. He said, if I had this book, it'd be my authority, it'd be my answer, but it'd be the object of my adoration. He said, you know what I'd do? I'd bear it on my shoulder, I'd wear it like a crown. It wouldn't run home and throw it on the dresser and leave it there till the next church service. Boy, he said, I'd adore the word of God. 
Do you know the average American I read watches television six hours a day and is on their smartphone 5.9 hours a day. Only way that makes sense is if they're on the phone while they're watching television, which I suspect is the case. Did you know that if you could read at an eighth grade level, it would take you eight and a half minutes a day to read the Bible through in a year. I would suggest to you that if you spend six hours a day being influenced by the world and eight minutes a day being influenced by the word, you're going to be more worldly than wordy. I used to read the Bible through once a year. I think it's a good starting place. Then I got convicted I should read it more, so I read it twice. I got in trouble with the Covenant. I was preaching one time, and I said, I read the Bible twice a year. Yep, one day in January, one day in July. I'm done for the year. Then I read it through uh, for a while, four times a year. I'd read the Old Testament. Six times a year, I'd read through the New Testament. I was in Arizona, 2017, a sick. I didn't miss any services I I just would go back to the room and go to bed and then go back and preach and I didn't sleep the whole time I got reading the Bible and I, the thought came to mind I bet you I could read through the Bible in a month so July of 2017 I read through the Bible in that month every month since then I've read through the Bible I will probably finish tomorrow my Bible reading for April but I do is I read it 12 times in 11 months and I take the month of December and memorize some. Now, please, I'm not trying to impress you. In this Bible right here in my hand, that is less than 30 pages a day. So how many pages you ladies read in those uh, Terry Blackstone books in the day? How many pages you guys read in a Field and Stream magazine in the day? or a sports magazine. Now here's the interesting thing. I read the Bible, I laugh, <laughs> I lift my hand in praise, I shout, I, 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 every month I read it, and every month I think, wow. I like Louis L'Amour books, I've read everything Louis L'Amour wrote, but I don't know any Louis L'Amour book I wanna read twice, let alone read through every month. Job said, I'd adore the word of God. So suppose I'm going to take this microphone around and I say, tell me how many days out of the last seven you have spent reading, sometime reading the Bible. In 44 years pastoring the First Baptist Church of Bridgeport, I never knew anybody get in bad trouble that they couldn't recover from that was reading their Bible every day. I'd say, you're reading your Bible? The answer was, well, I was. The old saying is accurate. This book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. Every good thing I've ever done in my life, every decent thing I've ever done, I did because I did something in accordance with the word of God. Everything wrong I ever did, I did because I did something contrary to the word of God. And I would guess there are people in this room, you're doing things you know you shouldn't do according to the Bible or not doing things you know you should do according to the Bible. And if you read it enough, it would influence you. Thy word if I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. The divorce rate in America is 50%. 
I'm an old judge. If you have to deal with divorces or not, I would imagine it'd be one of the saddest things to have to do. I did hear about an old couple in their 90s went in to get a divorce. And the judge said, you guys have been married over 70 years. Why are you getting divorced now? And the husband said, well, we wanted to wait till all the children were dead. <laughs> Don't get divorced, but if you do, wait till all the children are dead. But did you know the divorce rate for people that read the Bible in their home on a daily basis is not one in two. It is one in 500. God gave you a book. What do you do with it? Though the pages are worn, the cover is torn, and though places bear traces of tears, yet more precious than gold is this book worn and old that can scatter and shatter my fears. This old book is my guide. It's my friend by my side. It will lighten and brighten each day, and each promise I find soothes and gladdens my mind as I read it. And heed it each day. To this book will I cling of its worth. Will I sing, though great losses and crosses be mine. For I cannot despair, though surrounded by care. When possessing this blessing divine. This is a spring revival. A very good place to start in being revived. That is beginning to live again the life God always intended us to live. Is in being rightly related to God and his word. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve him this week.